This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. What up, what up? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Wherever you are in the world, welcome back to our platform, our show. I am Drew. We are Option Ford. I'm always joined by the second half of the show. GQ Nesto, how you doing today? What it do, what it do. I'm doing good. That's it? Uh, that's a, <laughs> sometimes you just got to cut it short. <laughs> All right. That's what he has. <laughs> it's good, it's good. Hey, so hey, ladies and gentlemen, we're in it for a very, very special treat today. Uh, we have a, a, a gentleman who's here today who has paved his own way in the fashion industry, all right, from the rave to the runway. Out there doing it. You know what I'm saying? To the Karens and OC, to <laughs> designing dresses for Kat Von D. Yo, bars. Yo, I've been working yeah. on my bars, all right? Um, but we're here just to get his experience uh, that he's encountered, you know, being that, that Latin, that Latin man, right? In the fashion industry. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, everybody, welcome to the show, Mr. Adolfo Sanchez. What's up? What up with it? What, what up with it? What's up? up? So, what's going on? How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm yeah. good. Today, LA's nice. It's good weather. It's a weekend, which I love, but I had to work a little bit, but that's okay, like before this, but I'm good. Work is good, though. Work is good. Because you love what you do. Most of the time. Most of the time? <laughs> it's not 100%. Is it? Is it the the difficulty of the design or the difficulty of the client? I feel like no matter what you do that you love, I feel like anything you do that's like pro, like 18 hours, 14 hours, 12 hours of anything, no matter how much you love it, eventually you're like, I need a break. You know what I mean? But I love it, you know, but it can be tiring. Cool. And cool. it could be maybe the client sometimes, you know, it depends. They draining you out there, huh? You know, it's all the it's all the You're adjustments. Like the therapist, everything, huh? I end up becoming like almost, you know, like a friend. I had to like figure out how to like draw back a little bit, you know, because sometimes with some you just get too close. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm like, oh, I don't want me to hear about like what's going on in the marriage. Like, I know you designed my dress, <laughs> but he's cheating. Can yeah, we exactly. Talk about yeah, it? they'll like, come in for fitting and they're like totally upset. I'm like, you okay? And they're and it's like. So you're still gonna buy it? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, so that that mean not as tight? Do we loosen up the dress? We still, mean, you know, you're still gonna make this purchase. Right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So it's a little bit of therapy, for sure, for sure. Uh, for all the uh, viewers and the listeners out there, um, tell us a little bit about yourself, man. I know you. I know you know. what I'm saying you started out in the OC first gen, you know, uh, but now residing in Los Angeles area. So yeah, well, well, who is Adolfo Sanchez? Well, crazy kid that turned a hobby into a career, I think is probably the best way to describe it. Um, born in L.A., grew up in Orange County, uh, felt that I never really fit in Orange County. It was kind of a little different, you know, 
30 something years ago let's not really show how old i am but a long time ago is really different right and so i just started gravitating to coming up to la and like just started partying in la at a really young age i started partying in la probably when you shouldn't be letting your kids out but i hit my first club at 14. okay um that's was, about that's about right yeah for la <laughs> yeah for la but i was from orange county <laughs> you know they move you out there thinking it's gonna be a different life and so um, I started backyard parties and I started going, you know, the all age clubs and I started going to the fake ID clubs. And when I started getting into the um, the nightlife, I ran into like a, a, a group of kids that were dressed really crazy that now if you were to look back at what they were referred to, they were club kids. Right. Right. The club kid movement or whatever it came from New York. And I was just like, what are they wearing? They look so wild. Oh, my God. I love them. And I just tried kind of like being that little 14 year old kid tagging along kind of like being like hey can I hang out with you guys <laughs> and so um you know they kind of schooled me into like the idea of like what fashion was introduced me I guess they introduced me to fashion and so that kind of got me into the the world of fashion I didn't really know how to go about getting into it and I didn't have the money to go and get some crazy you know degree from some really expensive school mm-hmm. um in working class family, first generation Mexican American. Both of my parents are from a little small town outside of Guadalajara. And so I just got into retail. I started at Macy's in South Coast Plaza. And then uh, they had Versace that they carried there because it's a high end mall. And so then I did well selling Versace. And then got into the Versace store, um, then transferred to Vegas for Gucci. Um, and then I ended up working at a, a Carolina Herrera and my boss there was a freelance makeup artist and one day she came to work with like this picture of a photo shoot and I was like what is that and she was like oh I do you know freelance makeup on the weekends and I like you know do photo shoots and this is a test shoot but so we don't get paid for it it's just for our portfolios and I was like I don't know anything you said but can I make something (laughs) for you guys I'm trying to be a designer I saw on the side I have my little sewing machine like really don't know what I'm doing but I would love to make something and she was like sure and so then I started shooting with them so I really kind of learned more about test shoots and photography and that portfolio building world before I even learned how to sell a dress okay um I mean I guess the retail aspect helped with that right but then uh just started getting a couple gigs on the side and then got um she got me a gig for Janet Jackson when she was uh with Jermaine Dupree and uh, she was doing an appearance at Tao, and I did the corsets for the girls that were there to like do her backup and stuff, you know. So that was my first little gig, and then I kind of got a little more into the costuming side, and then I was like realizing that I need to actually really pursue it, pursue it. So I moved to LA in 2010 to pursue fashion. Nice, yeah, nice. So, so, what did you design for Kat? For Kat Von D? Yeah, uh, I did her wedding dress. Okay. In 2018, it was like uh, the eighth one of the t- top 10 most Googled weddings of, no way. on Google. Yeah. Or something. It was, light, a, it light, was a wild light wedding. Light stunt. <laughs> like she yeah. took, she took the Beverly Hills hotel and redid it into something. I don't think that ever seen before, you know, it was like fur on the floor. It was like giant cross crosses with candles all over. I mean, it was very her, you know, right. like it was, she's such a creative genius. I love that girl. Yeah, and she's she she down the earth AF. Yeah. Yeah. Like most most grounded human I've ever met. You know. You still keep in contact with her? Mm-hmm. I'm still I'm doing all her tour stuff right now. She just launched music. And um she's doing music now. Yeah, she's doing music. It's very kinda like the cure depeche mode kind of vibe. Okay. You know what I mean? 
And so, um, gothy, you know, it's the whole vibe. And uh, she already started a small tour, and now she's doing a bigger one this summer. So we're doing all her prepping her wardrobe and her looks for that. Nice, so, that's, nice. That's pretty dope. What you that's got, Nesto? You got like, any? Like, what is it? What is it that you want to say that basically changed? the whole story like from from being from OC and not knowing anything to now what was the it factor that kind of you you kind of said you know what I'm gonna be really good at this I mean when I was in Orange County I was a teenager and it was like fun party clothes right it was like costumes it was like you don't really think about what you're doing because you're a teenager so you're just like my hair was blue, like piercings on my face. I would just take Doc Martens and stack them up like 15, 16 inches. And then we'd go out. I had backpacks with lights. And I was on everything under the moon that, you know, I could try. And um, it was just a fun, creative time. Now it's a business, you know. But I think what kind of made me realize, like, this is what I want to do is when I realized that I could do kind of what I was doing as a kid. But just it's obviously different now, right? Because... I do some music video stuff. I do some performance stuff, but I still, my bread and butter is like evening wear for women and bridal, right? So it's it's not really the stuff that I wore back when I was a crazy kid, but I knew that if I could take what I was doing and get paid for it, why not? You know, and so I think like um, probably when I was, when I left Vegas and I said the market had just crashed. It was like yeah. 2009. It was all a mess because everybody and their cousin was getting house loans. I don't know if you guys remember that. I was one of them. I bought a house at 21. <laughs> I legit, I'm like, if you're giving a 21 year old, you know what I mean? That's a house. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, I, got, yeah. I got a mortgage. I had a house. I thought it was all set up. And then six months after I got my first house, like the market crashes. And I was like, what does that mean? Option arm. Yeah. <laughs> Option arm. So um, I, when the market crashed, that's when I was like, okay, if I'm really going to pursue this, like I have to go somewhere that has more of a, a support system. But why bridal? Like, is, is there like a specific niche that you have in, in that? In, you know what's funny? I started with ready to wear, like trying to pursue making like daytime clothes, mm -hmm. like ready to wear for women. And then I would always finish off with a gown. That was always like my way of saying this is my grand finale, right? right like right. some evening gown. And then um, a, a client was like, hey, that red gown that you finished and your finale, could you do it in white? And I was like, oh, I guess I could make it in any color, sure. And that's kind of how I started getting into bridal. She asked me to make it in white, then I did that, and then she told her friend, and I posted it, and then next thing you know, you know, like, I never expected to be known for evening wear and for bridal, but I guess that's just what people have gravitated to from when I put on the runways. So more and more people started calling me for that. And then I work a lot with, like, the Middle Eastern community as well, and, you know, they're all about, like, you know, evening gowns for the weddings and you know a lot of things custom made and so i just ended up in that world and then i then kat von d is how i got into like i mean i had already done some more interesting brides like one was all pink and covered in feathers and you know i've done like colorful stuff too but kat was the one that got me into the world of goth brides straight flamingo yeah, <laughs> she's a beautiful flamingo. I will say that she's a beautiful girl from Orange County. <laughs> um, who would you say like who do you uh, credit like one of your favorite designers or who who was that spark? Who or what was responsible for? What was who so, lit that fire? So when I was 
a teenager and my friends were like, you know, you're going to be hanging out with us. You have to be schooled into who, who, who is who, like you can't try to admire fashion without knowing who's in it. And so they were like, go home and YouTube John Galliano and YouTube, you know, Vivian Westwood, who just recently passed. Um, and, uh, you know, Jean-Paul Gaultier and Terry Mugler and Alexander McQueen. And they were all amazing designers in their own right. And I love all of them, obviously. But Alexander McQueen has always been who I really just gravitated to as just like a, a genius man that no one touches him. What was his style for those who don't know? Um, I mean, avant-garde, but like really, uh, really, I guess... He, he studied a lot with a lot of tailors and worked with tailors and, and, and really took the craft on so seriously that he almost knew the rules so well that he could turn them upside down, inside out, however he wanted in a way that no one else was doing when he was doing it. You know, he would do things with with clothes that I don't think anybody really kind of he was he was definitely ahead of his time. You know, yeah, it's yeah. a really dope mind. You gonna go make me? I mean, I've obviously heard of the name, but like, I mean, that does make sense though. Like what you're saying, like your the homies that like schooled you in the, in the nightlife mm -hmm. was like, yo, if you're gonna be about this life, yeah, you know, do research. It's kind of like the whole hip hop thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yo, if you listen to music, not just hip hop, you know, the genre itself, yeah, but all all music, like yo, anything. Yeah. Like if you're gonna go try to get into pop music, you better go and figure out who was leading the way. And I'm not talking about Britney Spears. You got to go back. Yeah. You got to go figure out who Elvis was, King Rock and Roll. You got to go listen. Whoever, like, just you have to understand who's been in it and paved it for you to be what you're doing today. You know, I always say like, you try to start something, but you don't know where it's come from. That doesn't make sense. You know, yeah. like I, I didn't just go to Alexander McQueen. Then I started going back in the House of Worth. They used to make dresses for like the kings and queens, and you know, and like back back to understand where couture came from, and you know, really understand where the whole world of it is from. And I think that's. But there's a really dope um, uh, documentary about Alexander McQueen you should check out. It's really good. Amazon? I don't know where it is, actually. I'll, I'll I'm sure all of it, it. Yeah, somewhere, yeah. yeah. I'll find it. Yeah, it's really it. good. But nah, but you mentioned that you're like your first generation. Um, and I, 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 you know, we've pretty much known each other for, wow, over 20 years now. So I, I kind of, I'm kind of schooled in the culture in a mm -hmm. sense. All right. But how does that, how does that go over? You know what I'm saying? You walk inside the house. Mom, Dad, um, sit down for a second. So I want to tell you, all right, I, I'm i going at this full force. I'm going to design. I'm going to make something great. How did your parents, like, receive that? Okay, so when I was a club kid before I decided to be a designer, my mom had found my photos mm. in my bedroom. And, you know, I'm talking like this was, like, androgyny, like, crazy stuff lipstick on my eyebrows instead of my lips like blue hair <laughs> piercings like just sideways type stuff and so i remember when she, she found, almost painted yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i she got them and she slammed them and she was like i don't know where she got this part from right but she goes are you a prostitute oh <laughs> and i said <laughs> Who do you know would want to pay for someone looking like that? You know what I mean? I know people got freaky things going on, but I was like, Mom, are you a prostitute, Mom? You don't want to say living you... at home if yeah. I was hooking. You know what I mean? <laughs> but in Spanish, it sounds hella funny. Te, te prostituto. And, you know, yeah. like, like, and it's prostituto. And I'm like, and I was so thrown off by the question. You know that I think she was shocked. That she, I was shocked, and she's like, 
Does that mean yes? And I'm like, I'm just, I'm just reading body language here. I've never seen, I've been, I've driven down Santa Monica Boulevard a lot on the way, you know, when I would go to the arena and we would see girls in like lingerie and fur coats. And I remember my first time, I was like, oh, they're going to the club. And my friend was like, we're like 10 blocks away from the club. Those are hookers. So I was like, I've never seen a hooker that looked like that from what I used to dress like, you know. But I think when I first told her I want to be a designer, they didn't understand. You know, it's, uh, it, I think it's something that was, you know, Project Runway wasn't around. There wasn't all these shows, there wasn't all these things. And it was always like the typical stereotype, which probably sits there for a reason, but still probably shouldn't, is like, if you want to be a designer making women's clothes, you're probably gay, right? That's the, the first thing that comes to their mind, like he's making women's clothes. What's wrong with him? You know, something's not right. And so... I think that's the first kind of issue that comes up with it. I told her first and then she was like, okay. And it was, I, I'm a bizarre kid. You know, I did shit without even caring. Like I had a mannequin in my bedroom. I would dress her. I had her propped up on top of some old Victorian furniture that I bought from my brother-in-law's mom that I painted all black in my bedroom here <laughs> at my okay. parents' house. So, yeah, so, yeah. so it's like, I'm not trying to hide what I'm doing. I'm telling right. you now, this is what I'm pursuing and this is what I like. And they just always went along with it. And I don't think they really, they would, for like the first, maybe like five years, they called me a stylist. Oh, quiero ser estilista. Es estilista, es estilista. And then I'm like, okay, fine. If that's what it is, that's translated. And not until I addressed my first Latin celebrity, then they, I think they understood. Okay. You know. Would you say your experience, like, I know you worked high-end retail. Um, were you using that as a form, looking back at it, were you using that form as an inspiration of what you would and wouldn't do with your own collection? It was a way for me to get in. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand how to get into the business. I didn't understand how to take a crack into it. You know what I mean? So it's like... As a 19-year-old kid, how do you get into fashion when you don't have $80,000 to go to, like, fit them, you know? And I didn't want to have to go get a, a loan and end up with all this debt. And I really wanted to go to Central St. Martin's in London, which is a really famous school. But they're even more expensive and hard to get into. And so I was like, well, how do I get into it in Orange County? You know, again, there wasn't really the access that they have now where, like, kids are applying for Project Runway because they're in, like, their 95th season or whatever. And so I, it was a way for me to be around the clothes and understand what the clothes looks like and why the price tag is what it is and who's buying it and how to work with them and how to understand the client and building a clientele and building a book. And it was just a lot of really important things I learned from working in high-end retail. When it comes to the price, do you think it's worth it? Knowing what you know now. Mm-mm. No? No. Just Absolutely not. No. It's, um, the cost of manufacturing, you're paying for the name. You're completely paying for the name. Uh, and they're even like, I've watched stuff on YouTube where they go to like, um, you know, shoe cobblers that are getting paid like $45 a shoe. And you know, you know Gucci's turning them around for like 4,500. So, I mean, there's a little bit of a, there's a little bit of a, of a what's psychology behind it. Oh yeah, for sure. And then, you know, the, the industry has, has taught people that you can be a walking billboard for them and you're paying them to do it. Right. Cause some people will do it head to toe and be like, I'm representing this brand. It's dope. I love it. And then they're like, yeah, that's great. You're promoting us. So it's, it's, it's genius marketing really, because by showing these ex- crazy runway shows, someone who goes, to buy a fragrance who can't afford it still feels like they're having a part of that brand 
and they're still a part, you know? So it's, it's really genius. And there is quality behind it, of course, and it's right. made impeccably and the fabrics are beautiful, but like, you know, is a nine, uh, $1,100 Balenciaga t-shirt that says Balenciaga on it worth 1100 I mean, I don't know. You tell me. I'll let, you, I'll let you answer that for that, me. That wouldn't be an investment for me. No, it wouldn't. You know, <laughs> I, would I like things pass. that are design. Like if I'm going to buy something from a brand, I'm looking at the design and not as I'm wearing Nike. Sweatshirt with Nike on it. <laughs> Dude, you're comfortable, bro. <laughs> you're, you're allowed to be comfortable. Yeah, but I'm also wearing like my KTZ. Like this was like, these KTZ shorts were like, I like the, the design. So I'm going to buy it because of the design. You know what I mean? This is like something more casual. But like I'm saying, if you're going to invest into a piece, I want it to be like a dope, unique piece that I can keep. Like, I like to collect pieces. Like I don't want to flip it. And like three months, you know how some people do that. They'll flip their fashion. I want to hold on to my pieces. Now, now, I'm curious to know, like obviously you see, you hear, you, you're basically telling us like certain brands, well, most of the brands, they're not really worth it, right? And, and especially because it's more of a, you're selling, you're selling the, the feeling, right? So from your perspective and your brand, what type of feeling do you want to sell in a sense that, because obviously you have to make money. Obviously you wouldn't yeah. be in this situation, in, in this industry if, if you didn't want to be profitable, right? right. But what feeling do you want your clothes to represent, your designs? I like when someone feels good. Like if I'm gonna put on a suit, it changes me completely. When I put on a suit, that's my armor. And you'll see the change and shift in my, the way I carry myself with, you know, you straighten up because the right. suit's fitted and you have like now more of like a, a stronger vibe. And so I feel like that's what I want people to feel like when they put on the clothes. You know, the clothes have corsets in it, so pushes things up and move things around and now all of a sudden they have to carry yourself a certain way. you're targeting way. or like brides, you know what I mean? So I'm pretty sure that's, oh, a, yeah. that's a, a, you know, like they can't make up their mind, you know what I mean? So th it has to be some sort of like feeling behind it that, you know, makes a woman confident, right? Well, a woman at the end of the day, I think when they look in the mirror and something, they want to feel beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Just like a man looks yeah, in the mirror and you want to look good. You know, you want to look good. You want to feel good. Right. And so I think the feeling is feeling good in what you're wearing. And I don't ever want to put something on someone that like overpowers them. Because you could tell when someone's like, it's too much for them. They're yeah. like, have you told them? Like, like yo, hey, <laughs> let's go on the next one. Like, I don't even need to tell them because no? I can see it on them right away. Yeah. Right. People, people like wear their expressions, their emotions, they wear them, right? So like you could see right away if I put a jacket on a guy or I put a dress on a girl and they're like, Mm, I'm like, this isn't for you. Let's try something else. Right. You know, because you could just see it. Because you see the difference when someone puts something on and they're like, oh, my God, this feels so good. Oh, my God. I love like the, the difference in the reaction is, is there on its own. So I know where you had your first fashion show, but I know it's a story <laughs> behind that because, you know, we, we're, talking about, we're talking about Cali. So, but where was your first fashion show? How was that? What was that experience like? <laughs> it was in Birmingham, Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> Birmingham, Alabama. There was in Birmingham, Alabama when I was like 18, maybe. So, uh, yeah, like 18, 19 years ago. 19 years ago? Oh, Jesus. Um, a long time ago. And I was foolish and I was dumb. And I feel like there's a lot of people in this business, entertainment overall, acting, modeling, music, fashion. There's a lot of people that like just prey on young kids that don't know anything about it, right? And so 
I was on Facebook because that was, I think, before all our aunts and uncles took over. And, like, <laughs> <laughs> I was still using it. And um, and somebody hit me up, and they were like, hey, we're doing a fashion show in Birmingham, Alabama. And I was like, Birmingham, Alabama? Like, I've never been there. And then they were like, you know, we, we'll, we'll, we'll take care of you. We'll pay for your flight. We'll pay for your hotel. What? We'll do everything. You just, we want to have, we want to show your clothes. And all I had back then, I think, was, like, my portfolio on Maybe it wasn't even Facebook. Maybe it was MySpace. MySpace. Damn. It was a while ago. Oh, I, I remember MySpace. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hooking your page up and all yeah. that. I remember the codes <laughs> and all that. Good old Tom. <laughs> um, and so I was like, sure, you know, I'm down. And then he was like, you're just going to have to pay your flight and I'll reimburse you when you get here. And I was like, okay. And like, you know, your hotel, like I'll reimburse you too. I'm like, okay. And I was like a kid. I didn't, they, now they pay for everything up front, take care of everything, or I'm not, you know, I'm not mm-hmm. going but before I didn't know any better, so they got. So they got me. So my uh, my dad. Oh, I don't know if we should be saying this. Well, he's retired, so it doesn't matter. My dad worked for United Airlines, so I was able to fly standby. So I was like, okay, I'll just make up a price and have him pay me back on on that. You know what I mean? I didn't pay for it. And I remember the taxi driver. We pull up to the venue of where the fashion show was going to be, and it said the fashion house in. Uh, it said the fashion house in a cardboard. A piece of cardboard and it was duct taped (laughs) to the building and i was like uh and i remember just flying over the plane and getting into birmingham and i was like not really seeing a lot of houses very close by and i was like looking at my partner at the time and i was like where are we and then when i got there they were like we have been the owner of the venue who's my friend still to this day Kayvon. Um, comes out and he's like, I have bad news. The guy that was putting this together just took off with all the pre-sale ticket money and he's gone. And I was like, well, I was supposed to do a fashion show here and I just got here from Orange County. And so he was like, you know what? We're going to make this happen. You came all the way out here. The models were all still here. Like, if you want to do it, like, everyone's still up for it and people paid for the tickets. Like, we don't have stuff like this. Like, will you still just do a fashion show for us? And I was like, sure. So... He was really cool. He got like the local radio station to like mention it to get people to come out. And then we did the show. There was maybe like half the seats were full. And then like all the like hair people took me out, hair makeup people took me out to show me like the clubs in Birmingham, which were popping. For real? Yeah, it was dope. And then he and then that afterwards we went to some other bars and it was just it was just fun. It was a crazy experience. I feel like that's what my whole career in life have been. But that was my first fashion show ever. It was Dang. in Birmingham, Alabama. That's so like P Valley. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>? Uncle Clifford. <laughs> yeah. Uncle Clifford. Yeah. Hey, it was uh, love that show. It's oh, an yeah. interest, it was an interesting place to have a show. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um I speaking to you, like we've had like a couple of conversations, you know, first on a on another level and then, you know, for for today. Mm-hmm. Um and both times you mentioned something about like you know, the Hispanic, the Latin, the minority in general, oftentimes mm-hmm. being the help. Um, what has your experience been like, you know, as a designer, as a Latin, like, are you taken seriously? You know, like, I, like I've, I've said this before and I'll say it again, like, I feel like all of my clientele is very affluent and like all of my clientele is, you know, I would say very financially set. And um, I make things for them that they'll wear once and never wear again, usually for the most part. 
is the type of clientele that I have. And I think when I've gotten too close, because I've learned to pull back and away from them, because I, I think when I got too close, I felt more like I was like a higher end help. I said to one of my friends, like, yeah, I'm still the help, though. And they're like, yeah, but you're not mowing the lawn. I'm like, yeah, but I'm on my knees pinning their dresses, tailoring. You know what I mean? Like, it's still a form of, you know, like, oh, we need this. Call it's it off. Yeah, it's a service. And it's a higher end service. But um, I start to feel more like I'm their personal, like, family designer or their family tailor as opposed to, like, like a designer that they come to, right? Like, you would never say to like George Armani come to me to my house to come fit me because he'd be like um you come to me right there's a different level of respect there and if he is going to go to somebody it's going to be like he's going to like meet Beyonce or something yeah someone that's really major right but it's very far and few and I'm sure it's like not very many that they do that for and so a lot of my clients are like oh I don't want to drive to downtown LA it's too far from the Palisades or from Beverly Hills and they want me to go to them. And so I think they just get used to that, you know, but I think um, as a minority, it, it is hard, you know, and it, it's been hard because like I go to, you know, a lot of my clients are Republicans. And so when you go to the conservative <laughs> events, it's, you know, they got that wall built yet. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I've, I've literally sat on like at, at dinner tables where people were like to Trump and I'm like wow what do I do I, yeah. can't, I can't stand this orange man you know what I mean? and, and, and I'm sitting here with a table of people that love him you know for sure so it's 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 awkward and then you know like I always greet anyone who comes with like the hors d'oeuvres or picking up the trash and they're all usually Latin I always greet them in Spanish. I'm always super nice. And I always want to make sure my clients see that I communicate with them in Spanish so that they recognize and see, you know, like I just I, I want to change the perspective that people have of what we're predominantly known for, you know. That's tight. How do you feel about that? It's rough out here. Believe it or not, it, it really is. Like, I think um, especially as a community, um, a Hispanic community, like, we don't really help each other. <laughs> so it, it just makes it even more difficult because not only there's a there's obviously some, uh, I want to say, misunderstandings as Hispanics. And then on top of that, you got to deal with the outside world, how they see you. Mm-hmm. And like he was saying, it's like, you know, like usually they only they only have certain expectations and, mm-hmm. and that expectation, sometimes it's going to be just the help. You know, and that's it sucks because if as a community we would rise and we would support one another, I think we would be in a better situation. Like, like, look at the Indians, look at the Asians, look at Middle Eastern culture, look at look at look at the Jewish community. They're they're doing it. All of my clients have like their families are all the cousin runs this part, the son does this. That they're all that, and he's right. I agree. We definitely, I think, in minorities, specific minorities have a crab mentality where like you're getting there well i'm gonna climb on top of you because i can get there first it's not like hey let's get together and open this business together hey call my sister and be like hey i've been thinking about this maybe we get the whole family and start this together like there's not really that mentality and um i think it goes back kind of to like what we've talked about about like you know latin culture first generation you know latin culture being kind of held back a little bit yeah you know what i mean like i know that if 
I say to my parents, like, oh, God, things are just a little slow right now. They'll be like, well, just let go of everything and move back into the house. Your bedroom's upstairs. (laughs) You don't have to pay rent. Don't struggle in L.A. You know, they would say that to me when I was starting. Or I remember my dad one time said to me, I don't think this famous thing is working out. Maybe it's time to start looking for a job. And I'm like, well, I'm not trying to be famous, first of all. Like, the approach was even wrong. (laughs) I mean, no, but I think that's just how he viewed it. Yeah. Because at the time. Uh This famous thing ain't working for you, son. Yeah. You don't want to get a trade? Yeah. (laughs) And so it's just, I think, um, like I've said before, I think, you know, when people come from somewhere else, I don't know why, like, Asian culture comes to this country and they're like, education, education, education. Be a doctor, be attorney, be this. You know, Middle Eastern culture is the same thing. They push you to do something, to make money. to, And I feel like when, you know, Latin culture, they come here from Mexico, they feel like they've struggled so hard and they've had such a hard time with what they've gone through. They just want you to have a nice job and a family and don't suffer. Don't, you know, don't go through what they went through. And I think they do it out of the kindness of their heart. But I think it does hold you back from being a risk taker, yeah. you know. So I had to kind of rebel against that and you know do like you don't move out until you're married why well, i moved out at 18 you know and i'm like the married thing wasn't really gonna work out you know not until they made it legal for me <laughs> but you know it's just that there's a lot of rules that i broke and i continue breaking them because i just you know like i want to show in paris i want to do things that people don't do i want to make gothic wedding dresses i want to do i did a rainbow wedding dress and they're a straight couple that she just loved rainbows. You know, like I love people that are different that want unique stuff. If like you can go to anybody else and get anything that already exists. You can go to David's Bridal and find, I don't know, white dresses everywhere, you know? I just want to do stuff that's different and work with people that are interested in breaking molds and the norm. what yeah, the norm. And and we just had a turtle, like, you know, previously. We did. You know what I mean? And and I think that that's and, funny. And it's yeah. funny. Yeah, yeah. It, it's funny that we're talking about it because, like, you know, he identified himself as a turtle, <laughs> but wow. like, like yeah. it, it, it's crazy, right? But, but it makes sense. It makes sense. But go ahead. Go go ahead. Go, go, go. No, he no, identifies no, no, no. as a turtle. No, no, no. Okay, so <clears throat> because, <laughs> but no. So he, uh, his family owned a comic book store mm-hmm. because he was able to see and visualize. <clears throat> excuse me all of the characters and stuff like that, his imagination began to grow. Mm-hmm. So art class, class in school, whatever, hey, draw yourself. Because he was able to see the creativity in the comic books, he drew himself as a turtle. The teacher recognized it as, hey, something's wrong with your kid. He mm-hmm. drew himself <laughs> as a turtle. But really, he was just expressing his imagination. And he goes back I into can, his shell? Yeah, no, no. But, I, or wait, but, no but it was more like... <laughs> I'm like, I'm <laughs> getting all therapist on this. No, no, I'm like, no, what's no. going on here? No, no, but it was Why more... Why is he hiding in the shell? <laughs> come Let's out. Let's break this down. Come come break, come I know. It's, <laughs> you're good, free bro. now. It's not what it used to be, Johnny. Give me his it's parents' good. number. I'm going to call him. But no, it was more along the lines that I can be and I can accomplish accomplish whatever it is I see myself as. So if I see myself as successful, I'm going to be successful. If I see myself as prosperous, I'm going to be that and so on. So because at first we was looking at each other like, bruh. I need Johnny to draw himself as a tiger now. I need him to move on from this, the turtle. But no, I mean, it just made sense. And and, and like what you're saying though, is like we put limitations on ourselves. Um, Oftentimes, whether it be personally or outside influence from your mom and dad, family and friends, we put limitations on ourselves, and it's up to us to like 
believe, but you know, just sometimes life is it's kind of hard. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of hard when you don't have the resources. Yeah. You know, yeah. it takes a lot of balls to fall and 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 not do something and get into something and get into you know, uh, uh, put myself out in front of. When I was on Next in Fashion, I was one of two or three people that were self-taught, and they were gone. Those, you know, no offense to them, they were gone the first few couple rounds. And so when I was left with like everyone else on Next in Fashion, they were like. Worked for Stella McCartney. Another one worked for McQueen. Another one went to Central St. Martin's. Another one has her own successful brand in Asia. Like, they were all, like, from great schools. And I'm like, oh, I, you know, learned <laughs> from my seamstress in my garage in Las Vegas. You know what I mean? So it's like, it takes, like, it's intimidating. But you got to just push back, you know? And I don't know why, like, it's even when I've, like, even in dating. Like, when I've dated, like, and I talked to, like, Latin men. I find that, like a lot of the Latin guys that I would chat with when I'm just like on a dating app were very much kind of okay getting to a certain point and that was enough. You know what I mean? And I was like, I've always felt like there was a lack of like ambition and drive to push further, you know? And I understand some people are just comfortable and they don't want to go through that. And it's, you know, it's stressful and, you know, sometimes it's good to just be happy. But I also kind of wanted like, find someone who wants more you know and so even in, in dating i noticed i'd be like wow okay this guy's just really okay i'm like and you're just gonna stay there yeah he's like i get my vacation three weeks a week and i'm good being at this job the rest of my life and i'm like all right well you know see you around you know? yeah. it's like so it is it's you got to have those balls to be able to be willing to do something that is uncomfortable now as a designer you know what i'm saying um how are you juggling like the family and friends like yo they coming to you like you for one you're gonna do it because you fam and two you're gonna do it for the low low because you fam so how do you do that you know how what's you so funny that? like that's so funny you say that because i just read i just read something that said when people say they want to support you they're supporting you the wrong way because if somebody really wanted to support you they would come out and buy something from you at full price no oh, because no. they want to support you right? right because they want your business to be successful but the mentality is I want to support you. Can you let me borrow a dress? I'm going to go to my friend's party <laughs> or friends that are like, Oh, Hey, so I need these pants altered. I don't want to have to go to Taylor. You think you could do it for me? You know what I mean? And so it got to a point where I just said, no, I'm sorry. I'm too busy. Oh, I wish I could. I would love to. I'm just bombarded. So you just can't, you got to just learn to say no, because if that was the case, half of my clothes would be lent out to friends and cousins and aunts all for free and being returned back to me. And I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this? I can't sell used dresses. Right. You know what I mean? Unless they're like in my publicist's hands and they're putting them on celebrities. But you have to learn how to say, how to say no, how to control that because people will organically want to use you. <laughs> Love you, family. <laughs> Love you, friends. At this point in your, uh, in your career or in your journey, um, do you feel that your talent has, uh, reached the level of your expectation i think i got bored and i think um i went through a really crazy december um it was really 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 stressful and it was probably more of a hard time on the business side but it, i also think that i've just gotten so burned out from a lot of the users in the industry and things that have happened negatively it just gets an impact on you after a while that I do feel like I'm at a point right now where I need to like rebirth and try something, you know, like middle fingers in the air and do whatever I want kind of thing. And um, 
I'm, I'm getting to that point right now where I'm trying to like rediscover, restructure and relaunch. Um, and so that's kind of something I'm working on right now. As far as, as far as my talent goes, I don't think you ever stop learning in this business. I'm sure it's like other things. Technology always brings out new things and music and then everything else you're constantly learning or there's new kids coming up that are doing things that you would have never thought of before. And you're like, oh, that's cool. You know, so I feel like there's always evolving. I don't think I'll ever get to a point where I'm like, I think I'm maxed out. I'd like to do this until I'm like 70, you know, 75, come out waving my cane. <laughs> um, but I see my, I still see there's a potential for lots of growth. Where do you get your inspiration from? Like for your like designs? Like, I mean, obviously can, inspiration can come from anywhere, but if you had to say mm -hmm. like, Oh, on average, like I was sitting and I'm having some coffee and my favorite show comes on and I'll just notice something mm -hmm. and it sparks. So where do, where do you think that spark comes music. from? Music. Music. I love music. I love music. In fact, like my before I wanted to do fashion, I was doing choreography, like dance. And but um, what I, are your top five? Um, music. Top five. Mm, um, I love. So I grew up on like fifties rock. I grew up on like my parents played like um, you know the Crystals and you know uh, they played Elvis a lot of Elvis for me and the Beatles and you know a lot of that. But I. I mean, I love it all. I love electronic. I love hip hop. I love um, uh, some country, some. Um, but there's everything. We talk about Spanish music. We could talk about like I could tell you all the genres of electronic music. I can take you through like classical music, like everything. Etta James, like so, so many. You know, classic. My Sunday station is like my relaxing station. Amy Winehouse, whatever pops on. Cigarettes after sex, like down to rock and roll and you know goth music the cure depends what i love music i could talk about music all day so what i do for inspiration is i'll look at like if i'm trying to do a 1920s collection i'll look at who were the main artists that were really big in the 20s and i'll look them up and see what they were wearing you know what i mean and see what was really part of that because i feel like a good representation of what's happening in fashion is artists in the time that were really popular in that era and so I can go back pretty far in music. I use it a lot for inspiration. That's dope. Right. That is dope. Now, uh, what is your opinion on like, I think you, you know, you touched on it earlier with, with the Nike hoodie, but like mass marketing, you know what I'm saying? Um, I, I know, it. is, that, is that something? <laughs> and I'm wearing it and I yeah. hate it. <laughs> so yeah, go, go into that. Why, why are you against that? You know, like I feel like this company Shein or Sheen or Shine or whatever it's called. I mean, it's just these companies really gross me out because what they've done is they've they've molded society to understand that you can get something for four dollars, you know, and the quality might be questionable, but who cares? It's four dollars. Right. So you're just going to throw it away. And it's like I think just building into this um, this like landfill kind of world that we've fallen into where like it's just not something that you treat with care it's not something that you like back in the day if a, if a grandmother got a fur she would hold it and hand it down to her daughter yeah, or yeah. Th that mentality has vanished it's all about like oh it's done put it on grailed and sell it and go get something new go get you the new piece that came out or whatever you know what i mean and i think like i i hate that like sheen is making stuff for four bucks and paying some somebody 50 cents somewhere in the world to make it oh yeah or a kid you know and people don't care about that they don't care they care about what their world is and if it's affecting somebody else's world 
It doesn't matter to them. You know, mass market is really bad in so many ways. Pollution, you know, fake fur. Not that I'm like, I don't want to talk about real fur, fake fur. But <laughs> fake fur, they wear hazmats. Wow. In the actual, like, factories where they make it because of all the man-made chemicals that are used to make fake fur. And then Sheen will make a fake fur vest for 20 bucks, and someone's over it and they throw it in the trash. It's plastic. It doesn't decompose. It's like people don't think about a lot of stuff like that, you know? Um, they just they just buy whatever they want and then they're over and they get more and more and more and it's like this world of never ending consumption. What's your definition of happiness? That's my mass market rent, by the way. No, no, no. You did it. you did your thing. What um what what would you say your definition of happiness is? You got more than a beer? <laughs> a hard liquor? Not in here, but <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what that looks like. You know, I feel like um, I feel like as people were like never fully satisfied, you know, I think like we get a job and then we, we like it. But then we're like, we want more money or you get a car and you like it. Then you want a, a nicer one and you got a house. But now you want a bigger one. You want to like, I feel like we're very spoiled in the U.S. And happiness is something that like is is harder to reach. Like there's other countries where you go. My mom used to say, you know, Kids in Mexico that don't have much, they play with two sticks in the mud, and they were so content. My nephew has 500 toys and throws himself on the ground crying if he doesn't get another one. You know, so I don't know. I mean, ultimately, I'd love to have a family, you know, and that's something that's been on my mind lately. Like, I want to be that, like, modern family, you know. I want a husband. I want uh, kids. I want to break boundaries again of what people expect you know, families to look like. And, you know, I want to put a, a face to that. Um, you know, I want a home. I want I want kids that I can raise with values that I think are right, that, you know, I think would make them good people into going into this planet further and, uh, and just continue doing what I love. I want to break into other things, other categories in my business. I want to do things that are a little more mass market, but like, you know, like fragrance, maybe I'd love to do shoes. Um, but I don't know. Let's get the, let's get the Chinese. <laughs> I know. They do great work, by the way. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but I don't know. I guess we'll, you know, we'll see what happiness ends up being for me. Would you date another designer? Hell no. Oh, that sounds. Hell no. <laughs> Y'all can no. create something great together. Nope. I'll tell you one thing. I have a rule, and this rule has stayed the same. And this is how I think you don't get messy in your business. I do not date anyone in my industry. I do not sleep with anyone in my industry. I do not flirt or date with anyone in my industry. I've kept it that way. I don't think people need to have more juice to spill on you because they're already going to have enough to say about you, right? On their own organically. Like they're going to be like, oh, to, based on your personality, based on whatever. Right. Once you're with somebody, you end up telling them everything about you. They know the skeletons in the closet. You open up about your life and then you break up and it ends up with their best friend. And the next thing you know, oh, I heard blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, with this. He was with so and so and they told me that he did it. But don't you think it's going to be profitable though? If he's good, what if he's not a good designer and he needs my help? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who are we talking about? You're telling me, you're giving me Tom Ford? Yeah, <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> we, we, Tommy. Who are we talking about? Are we talking about like a kid that just graduated from, you know, fit him? No, thank you. Yeah. Okay, well, there's levels. There's levels, <laughs> there's levels to this. You can't be Tom Ford that we're talking. But no, I mean, at the end of the day, I want someone that's in a different industry. So when I come home, 
I don't have to continue. My ex of 11 years worked with me in the business and it was just working together and being together was just too much, you know? And so I like a little bit of separation. I want to be able to hear about what went wrong in your day and in your industry is something I don't even understand about. And I can vent to you about mine and you have really no opinion based on it because you don't really know too much. You're just listening to me. <laughs> you trying to hear nobody's shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. So that's how that one goes. Okay. <laughs> All right, hold on, hold on. We got my question. Hold on. Because I got, I got a good one. Hold on. Okay, bam. So... Hypothetical. Okay. You're going to go on a road trip. Okay. You tell yourself, the hell with MapQuest. Mm -hmm. No navigation. I'm going to do this. No Thomas guy. No either. Thomas guy. You just, <laughs> you just rolling off of instinct, right? Mm -hmm. Hours go by. You realize you missed your turn. You got people in the car with you. Are you going to admit that you're lost? Or two, keep going in the direction that you're going? as if that was the intended path. I'm all about an adventure. My whole life has been an adventure and I'm always down for the next one. So I'd be like, look, here's the reality. <laughs> I fucked up and the exit was about <laughs> two hours behind us, but we could either just keep going and check out what this is or we could just go that way. I'll give them the choice. They make the decision, but I would hope that they'd pick, let's just keep going. You know, I when I was in, um, I went to do a, um, a trade show in Paris it was called Rendezvous and during Fashion Week. And I took my best friend and uh, my boyfriend at the time. And we went. And so it was MapQuest. And then I was like, I really want to check out the uh, Palace of Versailles. Mm. Right? I was like, I just, I just have to check it out. And so they were like, okay. They are like, how do you want to get there? I'm like, we should do bikes. Like, we should get the bikes and go on bikes. And they are like, is it close? Isn't it far? I'm like, I don't think it's that far. So I printed the MapQuest directions. And it was like 14 pages. Right? Oh, wow. That's not that far. <laughs> and so then um, I said, oh, it's not really that bad. And so we did bikes. And anyone who's French or anyone who's been to Paris or been to Palace of Versailles, when I tell them that we bike to Palace of Versailles, they're like, are you crazy? So by the time we were like three quarters of the way in, they were like pissed. You know, like, oh, the bikes on the side. They're like, this is bullshit. Like we've been here waiting and we're going so far. I'm exhausted. And I was like, we're almost there. <laughs> finally, when we they finally gave up and put the bikes to the side and they were just done, it was at a bus stop and the bus stop was like eight blocks away from Palace of Versailles. We like almost made it. And I said to them, look, if we would have found another way, we wouldn't have gone to that dope little bakery and then we wouldn't have gone to the other little restaurant that we ate at and we wouldn't have seen all this stuff. So the be, pros and cons. Who, does like? <laughs> who does that sound like? I'm like, so your legs might hurt for the next couple of days, but when you look at those pictures of you eating that lemon tart, you're going to remember that it was because we did it this way. For sure, for sure. Um, so what's what's next? What's on the horizon for Adolfo Sanchez? And first, we didn't even say I know your brand, your collection. What is it? Adolfo Sanchez. Right. It's a self-named label. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. So what's next? What do we got coming up? Uh, what do I have coming up? Um, that is a good question. I mean, I'm putting together the new collection for the show in right. March in L.A. And um, we're shooting the this last collection we did. We're shooting it um, in Vegas in a couple weeks. And I'm just kind of going with the flow. I mean, I, I have... Um, <coughs> The next, I haven't shown in New York since before COVID. 
Okay. So that's been a minute for me. I used to show in New York, and I, I just had your show, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I just had week. a show. Yeah. yeah. Um, I haven't gone back to New York, and I don't know. I just it hasn't hasn't happened yet. I don't know what it is. I just haven't fully felt like I'm ready to go back. I don't know what it is. I'm just kind it's of that like, long ass flight. <laughs> yeah, it's a long ass <laughs> flight. Yeah, I don't know. I just kind of feel like I'm at a point right now where I'm just kind of like taking a break from all the hype. Okay. You know, I haven't been working with as much celebrities and doing custom, and I'm just kind of like focusing on the brand. I kind of want to give the brand a new facelift. Okay. And then I'll go and start hitting everything hard because it's exhausting too. Let me tell you, like four shows a year, like New York and L.A., spring, summer, fall, winter. And then then I was getting booked for shows outside of Fashion Week. And then, you know, the clients and the music videos. And you stay up all through the night to get the things done for everyone that's going on tour. And it's just like, I think I'm just like breathing right now, you know. It's understandable. Everybody needs to take a knee sometimes. I'm sure I'll jump on the treadmill back again. But I want (laughs) to jump on it in a smarter way, you know. For sure. Well, hey, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we thank you for tuning in today. We're coming to the conclusion of our show. As we always do, we always open up the microphones uh, for words of wisdoms or anything you want to leave with the guests, I mean, with the listeners and the viewers. Today, we'll start off with GQ Nesto. Anything you would like to share? Yeah, I just want to thank all our followers. And um, I think in the spirit of fashion, this is definitely a great episode. You know, people re- uh, that that can relate to fashion and, and trying to pursue this career. I mean, it's never too late. It's never too early. Um, just go out there and and you know create that that feeling that makes people feel good and you know there's that saying you know you you look good you feel good so you know i think definitely uh um hear this episode out i think it's, it's going to be great i think uh there's going to be a lot of uh interesting points that that can definitely be relatable to your journey as a you know a designer or you just trying to look good so for sure for sure Adolfo anything you would like to share change the world <laughs> pursue what you love change the world stop caring about what people think stop questioning what people are going to say because people are going to have something to say regardless of what you do so do what makes you happy do what you love pursue it and I also feel like don't ever be like one of my biggest things has been like I've never wanted to be someone that's like 60 and I'm like, oh, God, I wish when I was younger I would have blank. Whatever that is. You know what I mean? Like you live once, do what you love, do it. And if it doesn't work out, at least you tried it and just be happy and do what you love. Sure. And uh, I think they pretty much wrapped it up and summed it up. But uh, like I said, I'm your boy, Drew. We are Option for a Podcast. We thank you. We love you. We see you guys next time. Peace.